Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome to Geek Town Radio episode 154. This week I have with me... Matt! Hey, how are you doing today? David? I'm alright, how are you? I've had a strange couple of weeks. Don't know if it's <laughs> to do with my depression. I'm assuming that's a part of it. Yeah. But it just felt kind of kind of strange over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, oh, kind well. of strange. Well, I've, well, yes, hope you're feeling better anyway. Mm-hmm. So, what have you been doing over the last couple of weeks apart from feeling strange? <laughs> um, I think last night we both watched Homeland because I finished mm. the episode and I messaged you. It's the first time I've ever messaged you after a Homeland episode. Yes, yeah. Um, the, the episode was kind of slow and like okay we kind of know what's going on but like okay what's gonna happen with this this guy that you know the one that she was seeing and the one that was uh yes on the, the... Uh, hospital bed and stuff yeah and then that guy goes to see him and i'm thinking like okay he's gonna suffocate him and then they're gonna lose the lead and then she's gonna moan at soul or they're gonna moan at each other and i was like okay where's it like there was like 10 minutes left i was like where's it gonna go and then um she went to pick up her is her daughter addy i think that's her name oh, uh, i can't remember that's terrible yeah. no i can't remember <laughs> <laughs> she goes to pick up her daughter and then pull her out of school because there's all like the legal trouble she's having with, yeah. with her sister and stuff. Almost runs her over. Luckily, she doesn't. And I won't spoil too much of what happens next, but basically she has a bit of a breakdown. I just thought it was it was very impactful. Yeah. I've never gotten myself to quite that sort of state, but I've had bad experiences with mental illness and stuff but i would say i could see that happening and the portrayal that happens with um claire or with carrie rather um yeah. or carrie as claire it seems very believable and accurate to what would happen especially with the characters like state of mind yeah. her illnesses she has and the things that happen um but yeah, i thought it was fantastic and yeah the nicest way possible yeah i, I know yeah. what you mean i mean i uh i think i mentioned before i you know i i have friends that have not not bipolar but very similar issues and you know having had had to talk to them when they've been unmedicated and you know talking them down from things and uh her portrayal of somebody with bipolar is is astonishingly good um yeah. you know there are there are traits in there that i recognize she's incredibly good at that so i don't know what sort of research she did beforehand but i mean it it is an amazing portrayal of somebody with bipolar certainly that last episode she has this this thing with her daughter which sort of starts to push her over the edge 
Uh, and that breakdown at the end is is disturbing and quite terrifying. And and I th- thought she does it brilliantly. I think it, it's a really astonishing way to end that episode. Um, it's going to mm-hmm. be very interesting to see what they do because I think it's the final episode next week because it's episode ten. As um, um, twelve, I think. Is it twelve? Okay, so yeah. they've still got three more to go. So, so yeah, yeah. So, but it's that's going to be very interesting to see where it, it goes. I mean, they've they've dealt with a some. It's it's interesting because sometimes the mental illness of that character some seasons they don't really mention it at all but it's been very heavily focused this season yeah. which is understandable given everything they've put through in the last what five seasons or whatever it is yeah. so you know it's it's been sort of building and building and slowly bubbling under and you know sometimes it pops up and sometimes it doesn't but it's been quite a heavy focus this time around it's been very very interesting how they've dealt with mm-hmm. it but yeah, I mean, if somebody has, because there's, there's also different types of mental illness. Yeah. Um, and if somebody with mental illness isn't, I don't want to say dealt with, if they're, if they're not treated properly and they're not looked after by other people the way they should be and they have bad things happening in their lives like Carrie does, yeah. um, then that's exactly what would happen. You would just break break down like that, I guess, um, is is the word to, to use. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it's the same with like, I don't want to compare physical mental illness because it's not really the same it's like a, a cut on your knee if you just don't take care of it properly it's just going to get worse and worse the same with any kind of injury like that or any kind of yeah. illness I guess well I mean you know in most cases yeah. or in an awful lot of cases mental health problems are due to chemical imbalances in the brain so you can deal with it with drugs and with therapy you know don't try and deal with it without talking to somebody and getting some support yeah. you know that mm-hmm. is the most important thing should say there are loads of places out there if you have if you are suffering with mental health problems there are lots of places out there there's samaritans which is samaritans.org there's uh, off the record.org as well and mm-hmm. uh, mind.org.uk are, are some good places to go and uh, find more information on that yeah go and um, look up those places as well mm. uh, i use off the record to say weekly because that's where i get my counseling so right yeah um yeah, Samaritans is is good as well for that. So, so what else have you been doing? I finished Far Cry Five yesterday. It's I don't know. I as I was getting towards the end of the game and I was seeing the end the game itself, I was thinking like, okay, there just isn't much that. It's weird because there's like a story to it, but it just it's almost like the game doesn't really use the story in the theme because the theme of the game is um, cults. Because essentially, yeah. what happened is this um, this cult led by Joseph Seed or the father, as he calls himself, mm. but he's taken over America and he's got these uh, people with him that believe in their system and they see basically anybody that's outside of the cult as a sinner and one of those characters is you. So that's how you end up in the gun battles and the Far Cry game, I guess. Um, yeah. There's like three bosses that control each area and you have to like essentially take down the, po- the cult posts and the outposts and um, do certain other things so that the cult leader from each section will sort of see you as more of a threat and then come after you you and then you deal with them as a boss fight um you do that three times in each area and then you um confront the father um, right. i don't wanna, i don't want to spoil what happens yeah uh, there's multiple endings as well which is quite good and you can also end the game at the very start there's a certain opportunity that you get to do something and basically if you refuse to um follow the game's actions uh you get a, a different very short ending right um which is which is kind of fun you can look all those up on youtube maybe after you finish the game or, or something yeah i think when you when you finish it, it like let you load just before the confrontation with the father so that you can go oh, and do right, the other okay. endings yeah um, 
but there's an ending at the very start, which you'd have to do at the start as well. Uh, but no, the gameplay is really good. It's basically just like good old Far Cry. I just love using the bow and arrow on that game. It's so satisfying <laughs> to just pull the arrow back and uh, hit someone with it. Yeah. In this game as well, you also get companions and stuff. You get various different animals that can help you and follow you. Uh, okay. You get various different, I'll say, ground team members. So like a woman with a bow and arrow and um, a guy with an RPG and a woman with a sniper. And then there's different aerial support you can get. So like helicopters. And, and all that kind of stuff which is quite good mm. um, and it's essentially the case of if you go into certain missions you have to equip the right companions because if you're trying to do a stealth mission yeah, yeah. and you take your great big bear with you that's not very stealthy <laughs> yeah, um, not with, known for their stealth bears so. yeah, yeah plus with the bear specifically it doesn't wait to be told to attack it just does it as soon as it sees enemies so I, I had this bit where I was like trying to sneak into a compound and aim at this guy and my bear's just like running in and causing <laughs> chaos but yeah yeah. Yes. Even with the missions where a character would say, just go in there and just blow up the place, I'd still want to do it stealthy just so I can use the bow and arrow. <laughs> um, plus you can collect the arrows as well, so ammo isn't as oh, much. Always, always useful, yeah. yeah. Now, it's it's interesting. I've never really been a huge fan of the Far Cry games. For some reason, they've just not connected with me at all. And I, I saw this one and thought it looked kind of interesting. And I'm, mm-hmm. I have to say, with your descriptions of it, I, I'm not entirely sure it's one of those that i might go and get when it drops in price but like on pc which is where you know i usually game stuff um Mm -hmm. on pc it's still 50 pounds and i'm or you know or the lowest i've seen it is for 45 and i'm not paying 45 quid for a pc game that's ridiculous so i might pick it up if it if it comes onto a sale in like six months or something but for the moment i'm i mean even on cd keys which is is a great website for uh, getting cheap games if you're uh, if you're looking for it but uh, cdkeys.com even on there it's 45 pounds you know right. so so yeah. yeah i'm gonna i'm keep an eye on it but i may pick it up at some point but i'm not gonna rush in to get it i don't think but yeah that's been that's been really fun and uh i was okay with the ending i it was just that the game i wouldn't say it's like bad advertising or whatever but they advertise it as this cult heavy story and in a good way i guess it's not too cult heavy like you're not constantly seeing people getting tortured and, and stuff like that or whatever yeah. but they're very much still present in the game okay so that that was really good the next thing not, not something i've played yet but God of War comes out this this Friday and it's been getting like 10 out of 10s from yeah. everywhere and everyone's saying like it's a masterpiece and it's like an early contender for game of the year so I'm really looking forward to that. I, um, I am we- somewhat interested in that because the reviews have been ridiculously good. Um, mm. So where, what what platform is it available on God of War? Oh, just on just on PS4. It's PS4, so, okay. Yeah, but it's been getting rave reviews everywhere which is really good and the, the good thing is with this you don't need to play the old ones because it's like four or five of them I think there's three and yeah. then there's like Ascension and there's some other ones and there was one on like the PSP or something Yeah. Um, but this one like redoes the combat in a good way it mm. uh, gives you this axe which you can essentially use like Thor's hammer you can throw it at stuff and just get it straight back which is really good uh, and they like redid the combat and like Kratos as a son and um, the reviews say that that, that relationship's really good as well yeah. Um, so yeah you, you can definitely jump into this one without playing the, uh, the old ones I think this is like times past and the story the story has is like sort of starting up again so yeah it seems to be a bit of a sort of soft reboot for the whole yeah. thing doesn't it so yeah and gives creators a lot more personality and stuff so I'm looking forward to that on Friday mm-hmm. yeah and then the last thing I have to talk about is A Quiet Place which I saw a couple of weeks ago um, which is basically a horror film about keeping quiet from these these monsters 
actors. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which also means that the audience needs to needs to be quiet when they watch it. <laughs> yes, um, it seems to be getting very good reviews. That we may be talking yeah, to the we, um, we may be talking to the sound designers for that at some point in the not too distant future. Oh, so. Cool. Uh, so that will be kind of an interesting, although I haven't actually seen the film yet because I haven't um, had a chance to get to the cinema, but and I don't really do horror movies, but mm-hmm. th- that has been getting very good reviews from what I tell. Yeah, so. yeah, I hear it's been doing good at the box office as well, Yeah, which is uh, which is important. But I remember saying in my re- review of it that like I just wanted to spend more time in the world and find out more about the mystery. And st- it's almost become a second Cloverfield to me. Remember how right, like, yeah, yeah. After Paradox came out, I was like, oh, I want to spend more time in this world and find out more of the mysteries and stuff. Some people said that it's possibly like a secret Cloverville tie-in but there's no indication of that in the film yeah so not knows? that I'm aware so no I don't think that they should maybe do that they no. should just keep it a separate world but yeah John Krasinski's really good in that it's it's odd to go from a clean shaven office working gym to um, <laughs> yeah. whatever his name is in the film I don't think they say his name in the film right. but for, to him going to like this father figure who's like a survivalist and is in this like apocalyptic type world with a beard and stuff it's, <laughs> it's I sort of look at both versions of um, Jim and the, this other guy and like it doesn't seem to matter too much it's yeah. not yeah. like it doesn't put you off too much or whatever um, but that was a really good horror film with a lot, lots of mystery and stuff so yeah, that's what I've been up to my stuff's mainly been TV this week so Lost in Space I think is probably the big thing this week because that started on Netflix. It's it's an interesting show because obviously it's a remake of an old 60s show and then they, they they did a movie in the 90s with Matt LeBlanc, which was okay, but certainly didn't set the box office alight. Uh, the, the best thing about it was probably the soundtrack. But this is a sort of completely revamped version of, of uh, Lost in Space. So the basic premise being, has always been, you know, like the original, is it's a family, they're on a spaceship spaceship crashes on an alien planet they're lost in space that's that's essentially the the background to it they've done some nice things with the characters in the way that they've they've tweaked the uh the character descriptions a little bit and and actually the background you get to see a bit of the sort of them pre-leaving earth so you get a bit of kind of backwards and forwards of of flashbacks and stuff the family makeup isn't like a a wholesome family group as such it's a bit of a fractured family The father is a military guy who has spent an awful lot of time away from home. The family, when they actually leave, are kind of, the parents are kind of on the verge of a divorce um and she's perfectly happy to take the family away to where they're they're on route to alpha centauri that's there's this new colony on alpha centauri that they're they're sort of heading towards and she's quite prepared to take her and her three kids off to alpha centauri and the father never see them again she kind of wants full custody and it's a one-way trip so that was her original sort of plan Uh, eventually you know at some point the the father decides that he's going to he wants to see his kids and so goes with them so there's a very fractured relationship really between the parents there's not sort of this wholesome lovey-dovey family you know um the the kids are sort of 18 15 and 11 10 11 and they're really good the kids are one of the best things about 
the show actually particularly the little kid that plays will robinson he's amazing i think he's he does an incredible job on the show uh because a lot of it is is focused around the story between the uh, the child will and the uh, robot which has always been kind of quite a big part of the show he's this robot that the only thing he can really say is danger will robinson and uh the robot in in most cases the robot is is a sort of something that has come with them on the ship they've altered that for this where it's it's somebody the robot is a character that they meet when they crash land on the planet i've been enjoying it so far the the first episode is a little bit slow it does pick up as you get further into the series i've binged my way through about five episodes so far i think it's a 10 episode series so i'm about halfway through if there is an issue with it it's it's possibly with the pitching slightly it's it's a 12 certificate in some places it plays as being aiming at a slightly younger audience in some cases it plays at aiming at being a slightly older audience so mm-hmm. i'm not sure whether the, it's a little uneven in terms of the audience it seems to be trying to work for i think however i have been quite enjoying it i know the reviews of being lukewarm towards it you know in the sort of saying well it it's good it just doesn't quite reach the heights that it, it potentially could do and i've not got to the end of it yet so i can't say that for definite but i can see where those reviews are are coming from i suspect it could be one of those shows that could get really really good into a second season once they've ironed some some of the kinks out of it but uh it's on netflix right now it is worth going to watch i would say particularly if you're like your sort of sci-fi dramas um just be aware that it's not going to be another expanse or you know something that's kind of you know an 18 15 18 rated like you know slaughter fest it's not that sort of thing it's it's a it's a more kind of closer to a sort of doctor who level than it is a you know an expanse level if that makes sense yeah um, speaking of sci-fi i never finished um all with carbon i don't know what happened i just sort of <laughs> other things came up and whatever but, yeah uh, that's interesting through that's interesting i'm i'm hoping they can they do do another series of that but uh again reviews for that got a bit mixed i really enjoyed it but it was one of those shows that you really really had to focus on it's not something that you could half play with your phone whilst you're sort of watching it it's it's, Mm. because there's so much packed into it but um I really enjoyed that show, but I know reviews were a little bit mixed at times with that as well. So I don't know whether they're going to do another one of it or not, but uh, we'll see. Other shows this week, Gotham came back, of course, uh, which I'm very happy to to see back. Although a lot of people very upset because season three hasn't aired anywhere, but Netflix over here. So people are tuning in to find it on E4 and discovering it's season four and not season three. They did do a little kind of recap at the start, but I, you know, that that's been very confusing for people. Uh, But if you want to watch season three, it is available on Netflix and you can get it on disc for about 12 pounds as well. If you want to go onto Amazon and buy it very happy to have that back it's been really good kiss me first came into its second episode and it's a slow series that you are starting to get a little bit more background into things it's only six episodes so i might i'm gonna go sort of reserve full judgment on it until i think probably it's it's completely ended but it's intriguing so far i am quite enjoying that i'm probably gonna save that yeah for when when things finish probably for when the dc shows finish because that takes up like most of the tv time these yeah. uh these days um so like when when those shows sort of finish i'll i'll watch some of these other things yeah yeah legion also starts back technically starts back 
tonight, I think, or certainly sometime this week. However, for some bizarre reason, they put out a a 2am showing. It was either Saturday or Sunday night. It wasn't simulcast with the US. They just randomly decided to show the opening episode at like 2am in the schedules on Fox. There's there's another incident of that happening with Runaways. I believe there's a 2am showing of Runaways on Sci-Fi prior to it actually going into its normal time slot, which is odd. I don't know know why they're doing this, but this is on Fox, so it's not even like like it's the same network it just seems to have happened that you know fox are doing it and sci-fi are doing it but yeah they they stuck one out at at, uh, 2am they stuck the opening episode out so i i uh happened to record that and then watch that in the evening xo shows are far behind their uh, especially runaways far behind their us date so it's not like a sunday monday thing that you no no so i'm not entirely sure why but they they seem to be doing it there is a a late night showing of, of runaways as well legion is as mind-bendingly bonkers as as the first season was i had to actually go and look up a recap video of exactly what happened in the first season because i was trying to remember where we left everything because it's been off for a while so uh, I, I sort of managed to find some stuff online of, of just reminding myself where we were and what happened and that sort of thing. You're basically, you're, you're back with the lead character having disappeared for a year and uh, he's returned to the rest of the group, but has no real memory apart from little bits and pieces of what happened over the last year. The group are now working with the people that were chasing them in the first season. So uh, you've got that interesting shifters dynamic. There are some particularly odd scenes of of a very intriguing looking restaurant. There's the person that is in charge of the uh, company that they're now working for, who is a man with a basket on his head. There are women with moustaches. Um, it's all very strange, <laughs> but um, thoroughly enjoyable, if if very odd. But uh, I, you know, it's it's one of those things that you're sort of clinging to the edge of, just about following the storyline out of surrounding by a lot of weirdness it's yeah. uh, it's brilliant though absolutely brilliant so there's that and uh, the other thing i've been doing is re-watching the last jedi because that's come out on uh, dvd and blu-ray and on sky this week so uh, i bought my copy of that on blu-ray and i've been watching through that it's interesting watching it through a second time having got over the shock of everything that ryan johnson did in that film it's quite interesting watching it knowing what's coming um, yeah. and, and seeing it through those eyes. I I had very kind of, I don't know, some mixed feelings about some of the things he did, but a lot of people seem to be saying that it is a better film the second time you watch it through. I think part of that is the fact that you, you've got over the shock of you know everything that happened and you're appreciating it slightly more for the movie that it is on its own rather than you know the the shocks of of what's coming in the story and what happens to Luke and all that sort of stuff uh, but I I am thoroughly enjoying that um I've I'm about halfway through a rewatch of that at the moment so uh, so that's really good cool yeah they had the um the other solo trailer the other day mm. the, the newest trailer which i thought was looked better than the other trailers um i didn't have much of a problem with the previous ones this one just sort of amped things up a bit and just showed sort of more the characters and stuff so yeah there's been there's been another new kind of long trailer and then there was a tv spot they released i've got to the point with that where i'm not watching any more trailers for it because i've seen a couple of them and i just don't want to see any more bits until i've seen 
in the film now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I've noticed they're doing that with Avengers. They're releasing loads of TV spots, and I'm like, the film's like a week or so away. I yeah, just want to see it now. So. Yeah, I don't want to watch any more bits and have anything else spoiled for me. So, uh, so I'm trying to keep away from Avengers trailers and from solo trailers at this point. Mm-hmm. So that's all the stuff I've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. <laughs> TV and film news this week, we kick off with some air date updates as usual. Uh, quite a lot of, of changes and a few renewals and bits and pieces. Preacher season three now has a UK air date. Um, it's going to be the, obviously the day after the US air date and it's coming to Amazon Prime. That's on the 25th of June that arrives. Uh, speaking of strange TV shows like we were with Legion, that's yeah, not wow. quite up yeah. there with Legion, but it's getting there. That I'm very much looking forward to because I enjoyed the first two seasons of that. They've announced an air date for Barry, which is coming to uh, Sky Atlantic and Air TV on the 26th of April. Uh, this is um, Bill Hader's new comedy. It's about a or dark comedy. It's about a hitman that he's sort of tired of his hitman lifestyle, uh, ends <laughs> up following in Mark. It, following a mark into a uh, LA and into an amateur dramatic class and starts to get on very well with the amateur dramatic people and sort of starts to think about turning his life around and his career around. So uh, it looks quite interesting. It's also just been renewed for a second season along with Silicon Valley. HBO have renewed both those shows, which is no great shock with Silicon Valley, but it's it's nice to see Barry getting renewed as well. Dietland, which is a new show from uh, Marty Knox, who is the person behind Unreal and wrote for Buffy and Angel. Uh, her new, that's her new show. That's coming on the 5th of June to Amazon Prime as well. It's based on a 2015 critically acclaimed novel. It uh, follows a lady called Plume Kettle and uh, she works as a ghostwriter for this fashion magazine. And it, it's a lot of it is to do with um, various issues that are facing women today in including you know, misogyny, rape culture, the patriarchy, uh, unrealistic beauty standards, that sort of stuff. It's the sort of thing that Marty Noxon does very well, is that sort of show. I'm a huge, huge fan of Unreal. Obviously, I was a huge fan of Buffy and Angel. She also did Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce. She did Mad Men as well. And she's been involved in various other shows. So if you're a fan of any of those things, it's probably something that you might want to go and check out. Also, a couple of shows popped up on Fox this week weirdly it was very very last minute and they seemingly dropped out of nowhere had it not been for a very eagle-eyed uh, commenter on the uh, geek town site i wouldn't have even spotted them because they they literally they were in none of the publicity uh <laughs> So uh, there's a show called Stand Against Evil, which is very funny looking sort of horror comedy show. Stars John C. McGinty. He was the uh, older doctor in Scrubs, for those of you that are a fan of Scrubs. Uh, He's the perpetual disgruntled former sheriff of a small town in New England who is forced into retirement. He sort of has problems handing over the reins to the new beautiful young sheriff who's taken over. They end up forming an alliance when it becomes fairly obvious that that things aren't quite right in the town for whatever reason uh, and there are demons and uh, the town sort of being haunted and that sort of stuff so it's it's been going I think a couple of seasons and uh, it looks like Fox have bought it and shoved it on at 11.30 at night on Thursday last Thursday so you can find the first episode on demand and then set your planner to record the rest of it but that popped up out of nowhere followed by another show called Brockmire which stars Hank Azaria from uh, who's the 
one of the voices in The Simpsons and he was in Huff. He's the uh, plays Jim Brockmeyer, who is a famed Major League basketball announcer who suffered an embarrassing and very public meltdown live on air. He's now trying to get his uh, career back and uh, ends up moving to a, a minor league baseball team to do commentating for them in a sort of rust belt area of America. Hank Azaria is very funny, so I imagine that would be quite a good show. I I mean, I'm not a huge fan of baseball, so I don't know whether it connect with me. It's not one that I'm probably going to end up watching. I, I have got Stan Against Evil recorded, so I will try and go and uh, go and watch that. But uh, those two are kicking around late night on Fox if you want to go and find those. I do wonder if if Fox maybe didn't pick up the rights to something that they were expected to pick up and ended up with a gap in the schedule or maybe. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It was it was weird though. But I mean, I, I spoke to the lady at Fox and she said, yeah, they were dropped in very, very last minute. So I, I don't know why they've ended up there, but they're running at the moment. They're running Thursday nights at 11.30 and midnight. So <laughs> not exactly prime time, but they are there if you want to go and find them. Grandchester, which is the uh, ITV show that's been renewed for its fourth season that's about a crime solving vicar and his uh, counterpart they're back for a fourth season but it will be the final episodes for James Norton who uh, has been off on um, Mafia and various other things he's been playing the vicar in the first four seasons or first three seasons it seems like the fourth season is going to be a transition from his character into whoever takes over the vicarage from him so uh, so that will be the final season for him. And Jessica Jones has been renewed for a third season as well, which I don't think is a huge shock to anybody. No. So no. Uh, so yeah. that's back. The th- second I, season of that was really good, I thought. I thought it was good. Um, it missed, this is like the main villain from the first one. Yes. To me. Yes. It um, did m- miss Kilgrave a bit. Yeah. And I felt like it was plotting along a little bit from like maybe episode six to ten-ish. And then once the stuff with the mother started happening, I thought it really, really picked up but yeah I, I think i like the first season more just because of the, the Kilgrave stuff uh, yeah i think was, uh, a lot better i i'm sort of with you i i like the second season but i think i said that at the time it, it did miss him as a villain it missed having a central villain i think because the stuff with the mother i i don't think was a particularly great standing for having a really really strong central villain plus david tennant's so good in that role he's good in in everything yes that is true (laughs) so yeah so moving on to some bigger news we have some dc show news which uh, popped up last week colton haynes who you'll remember plays arsenal in arrow who has, has been on the show the last couple of episodes just gone out in the uk he is going to be back full time apparently next season which is i thought was kind of interesting Given that they've made such a big thing about Arsenal coming back and uh, being with Thea and him sort of going, well, whatever happens as long as we're together, that's great. And they sort of drove off into the sunset together, or rather drove off to to go and find some Lazarus pits with uh, Nissa Al Ghul. That was Mm -hmm. the sort of end of of the episode this week. We know for a fact that Willa Holland isn't coming back because she's been reducing her role the last couple of seasons anyway. And I finally decided that she doesn't want to return which is you know fair enough actors move on that's what they want to do and it was her decision by the sounds of it not the uh, not the networks but it does make it slightly difficult to explain why Roy then shows back up without her <laughs> yeah they're going to need to explain that like okay you're back but where's where's Thea aren't you like supposed to be living together and, and stuff yes um, so I guess we'll have 
have to wait till next season. So but. we'll wait till next season to see that. I am quite happy that, that Colton Hayes is back. And, yeah. uh, I love Arsenal. Arsenal's a great character. Certainly the comic book version of Arsenal I really like. It was I, I was quite happy because in the comic book he wears a baseball cap as part of his outfit and you saw him with the baseball cap on this mm. week, which I thought was awesome. So I, yeah, I'm happy to have Arsenal back because it, I think they're changing things around with the teams in that show. I know there are certain other team changes coming up next season but I don't want to get into those because we haven't got that far yet with the uh, UK airing but there are other things happening um, but I'm I'm very happy to have uh, Colton Haynes back I think he's a really fun character yeah, it was good to have them both kind of back in uh, the central sort of story because yeah. Thea has like been there but not been, like, on there. screen basically yeah, yeah well I mean she's she spent she reduced her episode count for the last couple of seasons which is why she's been either away or in a coma or you know only mm. showed up and you know, didn't want to put the suit back on I mean it was nice to see her back in the suit for the last couple of episodes as well and yeah. uh, I will, will miss Willa because Willa's lovely she's bonkers but she's lovely having <laughs> having interviewed her she's, she's completely nuts but uh, she is really nice I mean in so, terms of bonkers they had John Barham on that on Yes, yes, John Barrow. I'm sure the power of them got out like a house on fire. Uh, But yeah, so I I will miss Willa being on there, but um, I'm sure she'll pop up occasionally for guest spots and things because that tends to be the case. It doesn't seem like there was any kind of bad blood. She just wanted to move on to other stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, Arrow will be back along with all the other DC shows as they announced last week because everything's got renewed on uh, on CW or all the DC shows have got renewed on CW. The, uh, The next story we have is from the US. USA Network, which is is the uh, one of the big networks in the US, they've ordered four pilots, and one of those pilots is a prequel to the Bourne movies, the Jason Bourne movies. Are you a fan of the Bourne movies? I mean, I'm, I think I've seen them all, but they're not ones that I kind of go out of my way to watch. I like them, but in terms of the agents that have the initials JB, he's not my favourite of them. <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's fair to say Jack Bauer is yes. my favourite of those. Um, yes. But no, I thought they were good. They were all good films. Yeah, so. I can sort of see why they might go down a Bourne prequel route. Uh, the idea is that it will follow Treadstone, which, uh, for those of you that know your Bourne history, are the, is the kind of company that created the various assassins of which Jason Bourne was one. And uh, they were created by a CIA black ops group called Treadstone. So the idea is that the show will follow the historical actions and present-day actions of that group. There are a couple of things that slightly bother me about this, one of which is the person that's behind it is Tim Krieg. And Tim Krieg is the person that created Heroes. So what will probably happen is it will be great for one season and then suck. <laughs> and then get cancelled, brought back, and then cancelled. Yeah, cancelled, brought <laughs> back. And uh, Tim Krieg is okay as a kind of big ideas guy. He's not brilliant as a showrunner, for all accounts, as far as we can see. Because the, the last few shows he's done have had really interesting first seasons and they've fallen apart in their second season so I'm not over the moon about the idea of of him kind of doing it Uh, the story is said to follow various sleeper agents who are woken to take part in various deadly missions you're probably going to be dealing with quite a lot of different characters with a sort of central group controlling them I don't know, it could be interesting the idea of him behind it doesn't really fill me with a huge amount of confidence Yeah, I mean it could be good, they're doing a um 
John Wick TV series as well, which yeah. uh, hopefully will follow similar things. I mean, no, it's not the same. It's not like a prequel story or whatever, but no, um, I mean, USA are a good network. They do like Mr. Robot and Suits and is it Suits that they do? Yes, um, Suits and, is a USA and network. Shows. Uh, um, they, they did Last Ship as well as one of theirs. They do some really kind of interesting, varied shows. And some of them, like you say, things like Mr. Robot are very dark. So, yeah. you know, I, um, I think it could be quite interesting. Yeah, they should be. They should be. A, hopefully they cast somebody really good for like the main character or the main sets of characters by yeah. maybe the sounds of things. Yeah, could it could be good. So Yeah. yeah Do we know be. who's doing the John Wick TV series? I can't remember. I think it's the same guys that are doing the movie, uh, that did the movies, I think. They're, it's okay. the same ones behind it. Uh, the yeah, John I mean, Wick, that's gone really quiet for a while. Yeah, it has. Um, the John Wick series does sound interesting because it's it's based around the hotel that is the, 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 the sort of um, common ground for the various assassins. It's kind of based around that network. So although John Wick will be possibly in it in guest roles and they're talking to Keanu about popping up in a guest spot, he, mm-hmm. he won't be the focus of it. It will be various other assassins that are the focus of it. But, yeah. um, that, that could be good to show like that they're serious about it I guess to show like okay we're going to try yeah. and bring in Yano for like not necessarily re- recurring or regular but for guest spots and stuff that could yeah, be good I, I, so. I think that was sort of what they were planning so uh, it's gone a little bit quiet but it, it is still in development as far as I'm aware of that one back on the USA Network the other shows they're looking at doing one of them is called A Raise it comes from the actor and comedian Dennis Leary it's a dark comedic drama about an ex cop or a dirty ex-cop he finally kind of grows a conscience and decides that he's going to uh, turn on his uh, equally corrupt superior officers the only problem is whereas he previously had a you know brilliant sort of photographic memory it's starting to fail him due to symptoms of early onset alzheimer's it's now a race against time to repair the damage that he has done to his estranged family whilst avoid being killed by his various enemies i mean it's an interesting subject to take particularly when it's a sort of dark comedy drama and you're tackling something like alzheimer's i I think it's the type of thing that dennis leary does quite well though that sort of slightly taboo area that he manages to turn on his head i think he might be able to get away with it dennis leary created the series or co-created the series with alex carey and alex carey's worked on uh, taken homeland and lie to me which uh, i'm not sure about taken but homeland obviously we've talked about at length on this show and uh, lie to me was an amazing series as well i really enjoyed that show so i i think this could be quite interesting i'm intrigued to see what they do with it and uh hopefully they manage to do something that's kind of dark funny but quite thought-provoking at the same time i think mm-hmm. that would be quite interesting the last two shows that they're, they're looking at are were based on uh, adaptations of novels. There's Briar Patch, which is based by, on a novel by Ross Thomas. Uh, it's about an investigator who finds herself involved in a plot much closer to home, both figuratively and literally. After her sister is murdered by a car bomb, she returns to her border town, Texas home. But what begins as a search for a killer turns into a fight to root out corruption in her hometown. I mean, it's very, very difficult to, to know how good that's going 
going to be based on that description because it sounds very generic. A couple of interesting things, though. The show's written by a producer called uh, Andy Greenwald, who worked on Legion. It's also co-exec produced by Sam Ishmael, who was the man behind Mr. Robot. With those people behind it, it makes me think that it could be quite an interesting dark series. It's just the setup seems fairly generic. So, mm. I, And I don't know the novel, so I, I don't know. It's difficult to tell. It's more the people behind it than the description of the story that makes me interested <laughs> in that. That could be good, maybe. Lastly, uh, Dare Me is uh, the last show, and it's an adaptation of a novel by Megan Abbott. Uh, follows the story of two best friends in a cutthroat world of competitive high school cheerleading as a new coach arrives to their small Midwestern town determined to take their team to the top. I mean, who knows with that? It depends how light they play it. The competitive cheerleading thing is something which has been covered in movies and stuff. You could either play this as a comedy or you could make it something that's kind of much darker and more a kind of Riverdale has a has a kind of dark edge to it of, you know, I don't know, cheerleaders bumping each other off or something. I, I don't know what level they're going to go to yeah. for it. But um, Megan Abbott, who is the author of the book, is actually writing the adaptation for TV, which is usually a good sign because, you know, you're, okay. you're going to get, you know, a reasonable adaptation usually from that. No other news on anybody else is involved in that show, but if you like cheerleading, maybe that's one to check out. All four shows are currently pilots. They're not necessarily going to go to full season. They might not even, they might not get picked up. Uh, I, I suspect that the Bourne one has a fairly good chance given the pedigree behind it, but we'll see where it goes. And uh, last bit of news is uh, Star Trek Discovery has cast their Captain Pike, which is Anson Mount, who was last seen not saying anything on the Inhumans TV show where he played Black Bolt. Uh, he's, oh, okay. So um, he is uh, now got himself a speaking role as, as Captain Pike <laughs> on Star Trek Discovery. For those that don't know your Star Trek history, which I suspect you don't, because I know your your uh, relationship with Star Trek kind of begins and ends with Discovery pretty much yeah, yeah. So apart from a um, the the uh, odd little bits and pieces, and yeah, stuff, apart from so. bits and pieces. So yeah. for those that aren't Star Trek nerds, Captain Pike was the guy that was captain of the Enterprise prior to Kirk taking over. The character has appeared in the Star Trek movies. He is uh, the person that is in charge of the Enterprise in the first Star Trek movie before Kirk takes over. In that, he's also appeared in the original series. He was played by Jeffrey Hunter in the original series and he was the original captain in the unaired pilot before they had Kirk come in and changed it from Captain Pike to Captain Kirk but they ended up using some of the footage from the pilot in a later episode called The Menagerie and used it as flashback sequences, which was kind of interesting. So it's it all part of kind of original canon. So if you remember on Star Trek Discovery, it ends with the meeting the Enterprise. Spoilers for anybody that's not watched Discovery yet, but it's <laughs> it, the show ends with them, them coming face to face with the Enterprise as they answer a distress call. They mention that Captain Pike is captain at the time. So we know that Captain Pike was on the ship. Anson Mount is now going to play him on this show the other interesting question has been spock was on the ship at the same time as captain pike now whether he's on the ship at this moment i don't know because i'm not that i'm not entirely sure when spock was supposed to have joined the enterprise 
So whether we'll see a grown-up Spock on the show and they'll end up with somebody new playing him, I don't know. One little bit of information that did come out yesterday was that Jonathan Frakes, who uh, played Riker on Next Generation and is now a director, very well-respected director, and has been directing episodes of Discovery, he did reveal that there is a flashback sequence which is going to have Sonequa Martin-Green's character, Michael, and young Spock in it as younger kids. So okay. you are you are going to see a young Spock in it. We just don't know whether we're going to see an old Spock in it. So that's going to be kind of interesting to see whether whether that happens or is, not. Is there any like rights issues with maybe the films that could avoid that? Or no, could, um, no. Block that, that from happening? The, no? There shouldn't okay. be, no. Because, I mean, it's all technically owned by the same people. It's all okay. it's all owned by the, the same company, I think. The, in terms of the characters, they, they belong to the TV. The film, film and TV rights, I think, are separate, but the characters belong to both franchises. So okay. there, there isn't an issue. I think it's unlikely you're going to get the same actor. Zachary, Zachary Quinto. I think it's unlikely you're going to get Zachary Quinto playing Spock on the TV show. You might but given that they've recast Captain Pike and Captain Pike is played by a different actor in the film universe that would seem slightly weird I mean I would be very happy if they got Zachary Quinto to do it if they do have a grown up Spock but I suspect they may want to go for a slightly younger actor possibly even though Zachary Quinto does such an incredible job in the movies I don't know it's it's very difficult to tell sounds exciting though all of this stuff yeah yeah so it it should be quite interesting as we said the Enterprise is in the show is going to be in Discovery it's not going to be the main focus my, my guess is it's going to be a small arc at the start of the season to kick the series off but as Alec Kurtman who's the EP of the show said the show is called Discovery not Enterprise so uh, <laughs> don't, you know it's not going to have that crew we're not following that crew we are sticking with the Discovery it says it's going to have an important role but it's not going to be the focus of the show I'm very happy to have Anton Mount on it I think he's a really good bit of casting for this he actually looks quite a lot like Jeffrey Hunter who was the guy that originally played it in the TV show so I, I think that's really really good bit of casting it does bring the question what's happening within human season two if there is an inhuman season two i don't think there will be i i, I think it's <laughs> yeah i think it's increasingly unlikely uh officially it's still not being cancelled but it's it's looking less and less likely it's going to happen because i don't think abc want to do it it's whether marvel pushed them into doing it or not um yeah, i'd rather them just focus on agents of shield and keep that good. yeah I, I would like another season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., although they have talked about maybe cancelling that. And I think the chances are that you won't get both shows back. The chances are it's only going to be one or the other. So, I mean, technically, if he does do this, as I say, it's only likely to be a small arc. So it wouldn't preclude him from doing Inhumans if they want to bring Inhumans back. But as far as we're aware at the moment, they've not said one way or the other. Although it does look increasingly unlikely as we... Get further away from announcements. I suspect we shall know next month definitively whether okay. whether yeah. we get it because next month is when they do all the all the cancellations and renewals. I suspect they will announce next month whether it is going to come back or not. All interesting stuff, though. I am looking forward to Discovery. Discovery yeah. actually starts shooting today, and we know this because uh, Doug Jones, who uh, plays the uh, alien. On the, on the bridge, I can't remember the character's name, but uh, he's brilliant as as that character on the show. Posted a video of him shaving his head in preparation. Oh, cool. Nice. <laughs> so, so he was like, yeah, we start shooting tomorrow. <laughs> like, shaves his head off. So, yeah, I mean, 
yeah, yeah. I mean, as a Star Trek newbie and stuff like that, I really did enjoy the first season. Um, so all this stuff leading into season two sounds really good. So yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Me too, definitely. So that's all the news for this week. And next up, we have an interview. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com the interview this week is with a company called uh, phosphane fx it's with uh, two guys from that company Stephen weagle and uh, aaron raff phosphine fx are a new york based effects company they're responsible for enhancing many tv shows and films that we watch today you've probably seen their work although probably not noticed their work in the greatest showman they worked on marvelous mrs Maisel, bulwark empire mr robot billions the oa born legacy the adjustment bureau the Produce many, many, many other shows as well. It's their credit list is absolutely insane. Phosphine specialise in creating elaborate CG environments and set extensions for things, as well as doing sort of their fair share of blood and gore and you know facial reconstructions and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's extremely likely you may have seen some of their work on something and just not realised it was CGI at all. Their latest project is a show called The Looming Tower, which is actually going out on Amazon Prime right now. It's a really good show it's a 10 episode season about the controversial story of the rivalry between the cia and the fbi during the rise of osama bin laden and al-qaeda that inadvertently may have set the stage for 9-11 and the war in iraq it's a really really good show it's a hulu series but it's going out on amazon prime over here weekly if you want to go and catch up with that it's really good so um we talk a bit about the looming tower and about their work on uh, particularly things like mr robot and uh, mrs Maisel and various other stuff that they've worked on as well so this is Stephen aaron here's the interview it's about 20 minutes long we'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week hi Stephen. hey dave how's it going i'm right how are you good i'm here with aaron hi david hi aaron thank you for uh coming on and, and spending a bit of time to talk about your work of course it's our pleasure i'm uh huge fans it turns out of of most of your stuff having looked at the shows you work on oh thank you that's really nice to hear yeah because i was i was going through your your website and and uh just you know looking up things that you've you've worked on and uh, it's a ridiculous amount of work you guys have, have worked on across the board really i mean yeah really it seems like all types of shows these days need some kind of visual effects and need need our help even shows you wouldn't expect yeah it's very true i mean you know just to go through some of the list you obviously greatest showman is the is the big film you've done recently but you know you just from bureau board legacy be kind rewind uh, magic mike um tv shows you You've got True Detective, The Americans, Boardwalk Empire, Vinyl, Billions, The OA, The Deuce, Mr. Robot, Looming Tower, Marvelous Mrs. Mabel, which I love. It's such a good show, that. Yeah. Crazy, crazy amount of things. How did you get into effects in the first place? Uh, sort of, I know it'll be different for each of you, I guess, but. Sure. Well, um, for me, I started um, about 11 years ago uh, doing motion graphics, which was sort of the thing 
to do in, in New York before all of these TV shows started filming here around about seven years ago. There was a huge uptick and a lot of the shows you mentioned started filming in New York. So uh, myself and my company, Phosphine, we sort of we gradually got more and more into the photo real side. We used to do more sort of animation and motion graphics, but then we saw more and more uh, learning how to do really realistic matte paintings and stuff that would support these TV shows that we're filming. And then uh, as larger film shot in the New York area also, we really sort of dug into the <laughs> photo real side. Some of the work, as, as you say, there is effects all over the place on these things now and uh, even places you would never really expect to see them. There's a great example on your showreel of of somewhere where you just never think there was fe- an effect it was from a most violent year and it's graffiti on a train mm. carriage oh yeah I, I mean that's the thing with uh filming in new york city is that a lot of these period shows really wanted to pick that grungy time in new york where everything was covered in graffiti but you know it's not always practical or sort of frowned upon to go in these great locations and cover them up with all of, uh, you know, the, the practical paint and stuff. So that's, that's sort of something that we decide has to be done digitally. And it's something that you wouldn't expect, but you know, it's actually to do something that looks so naturalistic in a scene like that was actually kind of complicated, you know, cause that subway car is filled with a bunch of people and the camera sort of roaming throughout the car. So it needed to feel totally naturalistic. And it, it's interesting for that shot. What we ended up doing is their, their art department and a lot of these period movies, that film in New York, they have a special guy in their art department that will create a bunch of these graffiti tags and they just, they spray paint a bunch of white cards and uh, then they hand those uh, over to us and we take, we photograph all those and we turn those into digital assets and just texture all of the, the inside of subway cars and inside of locations with that sort of realistic graffiti tags that they make. <laughs> it's crazy. Again, it's, it's just one of those things that you don't really see. I always I always get quite excited by the effects that you don't see. And when, when you see the videos afterwards of how you stitch it all together, it's like, I, I would never have guessed that. I'm, yeah, that is a fun part. It's almost like a, a little sleight of hand and that it, it's fun to surprise somebody after the fact that, oh, what I was looking at that I totally just assume would be real was some kind of digital creation. It's really quite amazing. Uh, and I mean, you've got things like, I mean, Boardwalk Empire, there's been various effects videos because you took over that in season three, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, we started season three of Boardwalk and then took it to the end. All yeah. The last episode. Yeah, because I mean, some of the effects stuff that would be floating around on that is, is absolutely astonishing. And uh, uh, and things like, I mean, I guess a show like The Juice as well, which is is shot very much around that kind of, you know, various things of New York. You're kind of having to age the area backwards. Like you say, you know, there's kind of that grungy effect with more graffiti. What some other stuff are you doing? So, you know, The Juice was an interesting one. This is Stephen. Um, it ran the gamut. Like a lot of the, the simpler sounding but tedious stuff that we had to do was, you know, there'd be shots uh, looking up and down roads and we'd have to change the walk signals to be period accurate. We have to change uh, the road striping because um, the, the way we do zebra walks, like pedestrian crossings are different now than it was in the seventies. And like, the, you know, the showrunners were really interested in like making that seem authentic. So that's like the, the cleanup side of it. And then we did, um, 
you know, all the, we did digitally all of the marquees of the 42nd street theater. So that's sort of like the, you know, the bigger, sexier stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, 42nd street was shot up on Amsterdam Avenue on like 164th, which is way, way, way up. And, you know, they found, they found a couple blocks that the ground level looked kind of similar to how 42nd street looked in the seventies, but you know, it's not a theater district. So the, uh, production created these light boxes that would at least cast the light as if it was being, you know, shown down to the actors from these marquees. But we actually did go ahead and model. Man, I'm trying to think how many. It was like 11, I think, um, theater marquees on on both sides of the of 42nd Street. So that was pretty fun to work on. And yeah. then we did a couple shots at Times Square as well, uh, where we recreated a couple, well, more than a couple blocks of. Uh, of Times Square digitally, and Aaron, you can probably talk a bit about that. Yeah, because uh, the the challenge for them was that you know, in their when they were deciding where to film these scenes, of course, they gave half a second's thought to actually filming in the real Times Square, but no way, it looks completely different now. Yeah. So they found this location uptown that you know, is, is just stripped down and it's just, there's not much there. And it was almost like a clean slate to build off of. So we turned that in wide shots as Steven was saying, we turned that into, we, we would keep the ground floor and our department would dress up um, the whole ground floor of a block and did an amazing job. And then everything above that ground floor, we, we would just turn into the iconic buildings of Times Square and the huge period billboards and uh, all the neon and animated lights and everything. And it was yeah. fun stuff to work on. <laughs> um, so what sort of stuff were you doing on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Because again, that's, that's a sort of New York it's New York set, isn't it? And it's, but it's historical again. Right. With Maisel, they did, they did a whole lot, uh, practical and they kept it street level. And, um, we, you know, we were one of several visual effects vendors working on that show. And our piece of the puzzle there was, um, we would handle these sort of trick shots. Like I think in episode four, there's a, uh, Midge is having a party in her apartment yeah. and there's, there's a trick transition shot where the camera sort of soars through the party and we see all the guests and, and, uh, as the camera finds Midge standing at her fireplace, the, the camera kind of like moves around her. And then as it orbits her, we see that suddenly the apartment's empty and it's days, uh, or weeks later. And, um, it's in the daytime and it was sort of a seamless stitch that we did through this flowing, uh, steady cam move. So we did some of those like fancy transition shots in there, but it wasn't, uh, our task on that one wasn't so much the period accuracy. Right. It was more so little moments that we wanted to use visual effects to help. So, mm-hmm. I mean, talking of, of flashy, those sort of transition shots, I mean, the, the shot that you, uh, certainly is on your show reel for Mr. Robot, which was from last season when you have that reveal that he's, he's not where he thinks he is that again is is that sort of clever transition from one entire location to another so how do you go about achieving something like that well those were those are really fun to figure out because uh you know we were involved from the the location scouting process where they would find these two locations that that sort of one sort of look like the other in eerie ways uh you know because in the we're supposed to believe that elliot's in in prison for the first half of the episode. So we'd find these locations within the prison that sort of echoed the real world locations. And then we would find the camera angle where we could sort of line up the pieces of the architecture. We'd we'd find that the angles of the room lined up and then we would time it so that in the camera move, Elliot's head would be sort of in this position where all the architecture of the room lined up and then he'd turn around. And that that was sort of our our lineup frame. 
where we would find these sort of like echoes from one location to the other and, and align them. And then it was just a matter of uh, sort of making sure we filmed them in the same way technically so that the camera would flow smoothly. And then, uh, you know, timing all the other extras so that they were in the right part of the shot when we faded from one to the other. And uh, it was just a case of having to hide all these little stitch points so that there was never one moment where it flops from one location to the other, but that it happens uh, sort of gradually where little bits of the shot sort of turn into the other location uh, invisibly, like uh, where your eye isn't looking. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a beautiful bit of work that because, I mean, I, I adore that show, but that particular reveal is is so kind of important to that episode. I Yeah, I I really love that shot. I mean, the the other big show you've been working on recently is The Looming Tower, which is, is actually going out on Amazon over here. That's a really interesting project to work on because you're recreating situations which have kind of been televised all over you know i mean people know this stuff what sort of footage are you dealing with and uh, and what sort of stuff were you doing for that show well um they called us in to help with a lot of these um, set pieces where we wanted to show the terrorist attacks and the effects of them so there's a couple of key scenes throughout the season that we wanted to show and uh, you see the first one in the first two episodes where um al-qaeda bombs the u.s embassy in nairobi in Kenya. yeah yeah and you know this is the first uh, part of the season where we see the, the real damage that these people could cause. And um, the way that they wanted to film this is that, um, well, first of all, they found a location that looked sort of like the U.S. Embassy, and they, they filmed in Johannesburg, South Africa, and right. that was the play as, Ni- as Nairobi. And they found this, uh, this building that looked pretty much almost identical to the U.S. Embassy in Nairobi and the way that the streets sort of lined up was similar so that they can, you know, all these these details were really important to the filmmakers. Like they wanted just the way that the buildings were set up and the whole geography of the scene to really match reality. They didn't, and part of the reason for that was that um, when you watch these scenes uh, in the show, they're, they're intercutting with actual archival news clips. Right. So, you know, there'd be one shot of the set that they filmed and then it cuts right into the news footage and it needs to it needs to look like the same place. So, so they found their base building that looked like it. And then, you know, what would be wrong is that right outside of that building, the whole rest of the street would sort of look like the wrong location. So they put up a giant green screen and said, this is something that uh, visual effects will build for us outside of this hero building. So that's what we did for the scenes uh, before the bomb went off. And then when you get to episode two and you see the aftermath of the explosion, what they did is that art department built a giant, they, they filled the entire street with this, uh, this rubble yard that they created to, to be like the collapsed uh, building that uh, there is a secretarial school right. across the embassy that collapsed. So that was the whole, there was a, about a 20 foot high pile of rubble created by art department where they staged the scenes. And that when the camera would go wide, you'd see our green screen in the footage. And we, we replaced that with the sort of the street beyond. And all of that was heavily researched. And we referenced all um, the photos and news footage from that time. So that all the buildings could sort of look exactly as they did. We, we didn't want to, we didn't want to over dramatize or just create sort of generic bombed out buildings or anything like that. Like our goal was to just sort of recreate these photos, not create an especially dramatic scene or, or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Was the whole of that show actually shot out in Johannesburg or was it just those particular scenes for Nairobi? The Nairobi locations, um, as well as let's see the terrorist training camps, a few other key locations were shot in Johannesburg. Um, there was also, uh, a lot shot in New York. So 
and New York played for New York. Um, New York also played for London and uh, a few <laughs> other locations. Uh, there was also a shoot in Morocco that uh, Aaron traveled to. Uh, Morocco played for Yemen uh, primarily, as well as, again, a few other locations, because the story just really does take place all over the world. And then there were splinter units actually in, in the UK, in Montreal, trying to think a few, a few other places as well um, that they needed to grab uh, you know, production quality footage. But the main, you know, the main shoots were uh, Johannesburg, Morocco. I know they sent, a, they sent a guy out uh, into Pakistan, right? Yeah, That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to shoot uh, just some cars going over rugged terrain. And he had his own sort of like tiny splinter unit in the actual mountains in Pakistan. <laughs> so those scenes that you see before they interview uh, bin Laden in the first episode, that's that's the real deal. You're really looking at that landscape there. Wow. Wow. When you're, you're doing stuff like this, are you basically just presented with the footage or are you requesting specific shots for the for the vfx on looming tower we were involved from pre-production so we were uh steven and i would go to go to meetings and uh sort of spitball with the director about how we're going to see these things what the framing is going to be like we would you know um look go through rounds of storyboards and create little mock-ups and everything because since it's a tv show and there's a certain budget associated with that but the quality needed to be uh, film quality for the you know to to service the story these these moments where we use visual effects really needed to be dialed in and discussed ahead of time so that we can nail them when we're shooting we didn't really have the luxury of you know improvising and going through rounds and posts so with a lot of these uh, visual effects heavy scenes, another one, another example could be like the USS Cole. We would, uh, in episode six, when the people approach the USS Cole, each one of those shots was storyboarded. And um, then I would go on set with them. And that scene was filmed. That was in Morocco. Uh, and we use an actual Moroccan Navy ship as sort of a stand-in that would we would later augment with CG extensions to become the USS Cole. <laughs> So I would go out with them while we're shooting and I would have the mock-ups and I would have all of the, the prep that we did with visual effects so that when we're framing up on shots, we could talk about, you know, what we're going to do with this in post, you know, what the framing should be here on the day. And then, uh, you know, I would also do sort of technical things like putting markers down, putting buoys in the water, st- stuff like that to help us <laughs> in post when we recreate the shots, which in this case, just it amounted to me uh, helping asking people to help me put pieces of pink tape on the ship to show, you know, the different parts uh, that will be extended because we filmed a ship that was about half the size of what we needed it to be. And so we filmed the shots a little bit wider, knowing that we would digitally make it, turn it into a bigger ship. <laughs> Interesting. Um, is there a particular shot on any of your projects that you've been presented with and you've really had the sort of how on earth are we going to get this done? Uh, the culture is close. <laughs> yeah, there, there's um, to, to talk about Looming Tower more. Um, there's a great example uh, of, of a complicated shot that was sort of mind boggling at first. Uh, in Looming Tower, there's there's a shot where we see the actual Twin Towers from pretty close up. And right. uh, we have people walking, you know, it's sort of entering the building. And this was very, it was planned far ahead of time. And we did previs and we talked to the filmmakers about how we're going to build the shop. But as it got closer to the shoot day, you know, we wanted to film this in downtown Manhattan. And uh, it took, a you know, a lot of real estate uh, ground level for people 
to walk around in. So it was harder to get a location. And sometimes we would think that we had one and then we'd have to switch last minute. So we ended up doing this pretty large visual effects shot at a location that we had a little bit of time to prep for. So we had to, we had to quickly look at this plaza, this piece of ground that we had in downtown Manhattan, which of course is an amazing place to film. And all the rest of the scene around this would, you know, you can't fake that just the street level life of New York. Mm -hmm. So we found this large plot and we had to just quickly figure out how, where do we put the green screens to turn this piece of ground that we have into something twice as big to look like the plaza in front of the World Trade Center? And uh, how do we have the people moving around so that we could sort of make it look like six times as much people once we get a hold of it in post? And where do we point the camera so that we could turn the, the buildings that we have here into, you know, what would become the World Trade Center, which those towers were much taller. And um, it took a lot of last minute uh, re revising of our, our models that we would bring on set. But um, I think ultimately what we came up with there is it serves a story and it looks, you know, it, I think it's a it's a convincing and fitting shot for the show yeah i i am really enjoying that series so far it's it's um really well put together look at, at that whole period so uh so yeah it's that's been really good um a lot of the stuff that you do tends to be the less fantastical sort of things it is uh, a lot of your work seems to be more based in reality and replacing things and and that sort of stuff if they offered you i don't know an iron man type movie is that something that does actually interest you as well <laughs> i think that we focus on the shows that we love and that we're sort of we, we actually try to work on these amazing projects that uh we are connected to the story for and that um you know we find our way to service those as best we can and we we try to work with uh filmmakers that we believe in and uh, producers that we like to work with. And I think a lot of that, the quality of the narratives that we look for and lend themselves to these sort of basically dramas and period pieces that we could work with. Yeah. That being said, um, we are get most excited when those type of shows offer up a scene or a piece of that show that steps outside and is extra visually rich or fantastical. And that sometimes uses the technology that you would see in a piece of an Iron Man movie or something like when we get to when we get to use our tools and, and come up with something creative or cutting edge, that's sort of the best part of our job here. Hmm. Um, so far, that hasn't been as part of a superhero movie, but I think that we we certainly use similar tools to do sort of interesting effects, but just in different types of uh, yeah. film and TV shows. Yeah, yeah. Last couple of questions for you. The first one will be, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? Um, I just finished Wild Wild Country on Netflix, which is about... Uh, the Rajneesh cult movement in the 70s and 80s. And it's it's a you know story that, I guess the movement happened across the world, but the story is focused on a, a commune that the cult created and a bunch of uh, crazy shenanigans that went down <laughs> in Oregon that, um, you know, it's, it was this story that, I, I it's, it's six parts, so it's about six hours long. And just like every act of it, something, you learn something new and this, uh, this little piece of the puzzle gets, uh, uncovered and it just blows your mind again and again and again and this happened in my lifetime and I can't I can't believe that I wasn't aware of it as a news story yeah uh, and it's just really really uh, well put together and just really unbelievable uh, story that's for myself um, this sort of has passed now but I still am reeling from the last season of Black Mirror I think that's the that's a show <laughs> that I come in and just bore everyone to tears talking about back in the office and <laughs> it is brilliant yeah. just raving over and also the, the visual effects in that is a, just a great example of uh, awesome 
awesome effect servicing the story and not sort of taking taking center stage unnecessarily. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I love how the effects are handled in that. It's an amazing series that I'm uh, looking forward to, to seeing more of it when uh, Charlie Brooker gets around to it. Um, mm. Finally, if you had the opportunity to work on any show, past, present or future, which show would it be? Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm reeling from the entire history of TV right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what my first thought is that I've seen, and I won't name names, but I've seen some of my favorite and best quality TV shows. Uh, you know, th- these classic all time great shows. Yeah. I'm watching them and I'm loving them. And then we get into a green screen car scene and <laughs> my, my rage meter rises. So I think my answer would be, I'd go back to some of these prestige shows and just up the VFX notch a tiny bit. Right. <laughs> They probably didn't care because the show was so good and they thought no one would care about the visual effects, but they don't know that the visual effects supervisors are watching their show getting angry. (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) Thank you for coming on and uh, just talking through some of your work. I'm I'm really enjoying The Looming Tower and uh, I'm very much looking forward to Mr. Robot coming back. I'm Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which was one of my favorite shows from last year. I really enjoyed that. So thank you for coming on. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, David. Talk to you again soon. Cheers. Bye. So that was the interview with Stephen Aaron from Phosphine FX. If you want to go and see their work, as I say, a lot of the stuff that they're working on are on um, Amazon, like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and Looming Tower, Mr. Robot. Interesting that a lot of their shows, despite them being on different networks in the US, have all ended up on Amazon over here. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, there's a lot of those shows. OA obviously is, is uh, over on uh, Netflix, but I mean, you can see their work all over the place. Really amazing stuff. But, and I go onto their website, which is uh, phosphinefx.com. Go and check their website out and watch some of the videos of how they construct some of the things. Particularly, there's the uh, the video of the train carriage where they added the graffiti. is is quite incredible. So uh, go and look that up. Now, some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> So highlights for next week. We kick off with uh, another spin-off. It's uh, Grey's Anatomy that this one spins off from. It's uh, Station 19, which I know a number of people that are Grey's fans have been waiting for, coming to Sky Living on the 18th of April at 10pm. I've never seen Grey's Anatomy, so this is not something I'll be watching because there's far too many other things to watch right now. But, you know, if you like Firefighter (laughs) and those kind of procedural dramas, I'm sure it'll be a really high quality one because they always are when they come from those guys. Marvel's Runaways, that's uh, starting season one on sci-fi uk that's on the 18th at 9 p.m i'm very much looking forward to this i think it looks really interesting it's got some great actors in the show as i say i think there is actually an earlier showing of it i'm not sure whether what day it's on but it's on like 2 a.m if you go and look it up on your sky planner but uh, i think that could be quite an interesting marvel series that one there is a show called the alienist which is coming for its first season on the 19th of april to netflix that's set in 1896 amidst vast wealth, extreme poverty and technical innovation in New York during the Gilded Age uh, follows the hunt for a serial killer responsible for gruesome murders of boy prostitutes. Stars Daniel Bruner, Luke Evans and Dakota Fanning so it's got a good cast. It sounds like it could be quite an interesting show that but uh, I don't know when I'm going to get around to watching it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Fear the Walking Dead back on AMC Global for season four on the 23rd of April at 9pm. Um, and uh, this will be with added Morgan, I believe, this season. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Lenny James. Yes. Lenny James moves from the main show to this show uh, for how long, we don't know. But uh, but yes, it means that he's coming across to Fear the Walking Dead. So that's for season four. Season three, if you're running behind, season three is now on Amazon Prime, if you haven't gone and checked your Amazon Prime account recently. I haven't managed to catch up with season three yet, but uh, season four goes out on AMC Global, which I don't get because I'm not paying £20 for <laughs> sport that I won't watch because that's the only way you can yeah. get it is if you pay for BT Sport and I'm not doing that. So yes, 23rd of April at 9pm on AMC Global if you want that. They haven't made it like exactly clear if he's going to be like main or regular or if this is just one episode. That's what they originally said, but I don't know if they've like changed their minds because yeah. um, they've used him in a lot of promo material, which I assume they would because he's like, because it's basically saying, look, Morgan, this big Walking Dead character is coming over to the spin-off. Please go and watch it. But... I'm, yeah, uh, I'm not sure for how by the long. Way, we're going to get yeah. more Morgan. So yeah, that's, that's which is that's no bad thing. So yeah, into the Badlands, uh, also an AMC show, but not coming to AMC this time. Season three of that coming to Amazon Prime on the 23rd of April, and then there is a big one this week: Westworld season two of that. That's coming on the 23rd of April at 2 a.m. and then it will be on at 9 p.m. as well. Very much looking forward to this. If you want to know what our thoughts on Westworld are, you can always go over to Entertainment and listen to our Westworld preview podcast which me and Matt did because we will be doing Westworld on a weekly basis over on Entertainment Talk as well then uh, last couple of shows Genius Picasso which is the second season of Genius that's coming to National Geographic on the 23rd of April at 8pm first season was about Albert Einstein second season is about Pablo Picasso stars Antonio Banderas then finally The Terror coming to AMC Global this is Ridley Scott's new show it's a about uh, the Royal Navy's perilous journey into uncharted territory as the crew attempts to discover the Northwest Passage. So that's not rod- modern Royal Navy, it's like old school sailing boat Royal Navy. <laughs> but that's coming to AMC Global on the 24th of April at 9pm, and that's the terror. So that's everything this week, unless you've got anything else you want to mention. Well, tomorrow, which will be Tuesday 17th, when this goes out, it'll be my birthday, which is... Oh uh, yes, yes it will be. Cool. So yeah. happy, happy birthday for tomorrow. Yes. Thank you. I don't know much what I'm doing tomorrow, but I, uh, I'm looking forward to, of course, God of War comes out on Friday. And yes, then that's a nice present for your birthday week. Of Avengers. Yeah. Uh, kind of been the things in April that I've been looking forward to, but none of them have sort of landed. Though. Yeah. So for Matt, if you want to find more information about him, you can go and find him at Entertainment Talk. You can uh, find all the information and things like the Westworld podcast and the uh, our final thoughts on uh, The Walking Dead as well. You'll be able to go and find that over on Entertainment Talk. Uh, for us, if you go to... Geek- that's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for us, if you go to uh, geektown.co.uk throughout the week, you can see all the latest air date info. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. You can leave a message on the website post. You can find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektownuk. That's everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? 
elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.